From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. We now have the clearest insight into the inner workings of Rupert Murdoch's media empire. The mogul was forced, under oath, to answer questions about Fox News in a $1.6 billion lawsuit against the company. What's been revealed is that Murdoch and some of his most famous hosts knew they were putting lies to wear and allowed it anyway. Today, author of The Successor, Paddy Manning, on the culture at Fox News that put profits before the truth. It's Wednesday, March 8. So, Paddy, in recent days, we've heard Rupert Murdoch openly admitting in a court deposition that hosts at his Fox News network had endorsed things on air, things that he knew to be false. So let's start with what it is that Murdoch has actually admitted. What what has he said? Yeah, Ruby, this is just most extraordinary evidence that's emerged from the lawsuit filed by electronic voting machine manufacturer in the United States, Dominion Voting Systems, which has sued Fox for defamation. And just to step back and understand the big picture here, for more than six decades, Rupert has been the centre of a debate and speculation about his political influence and his editorial interventions. And the public never gets to see behind the curtain, so to speak, how does Rupert actually run his empire? And the court evidence that we've seen in this case shows us Rupert is still pulling the strings and calling the shots. Now, bearing in mind that some of it is redacted, so you don't want to go jumping to conclusions on the basis of redacted court filings. But what we see here is Rupert's own private communications and own evidence under oath, which prove that even though he knew and his son Lachlan knew and the CEO of Fox News, Suzanne Scott, knew and his primetime hosts like Sean Hannity, uh, Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson all knew that the claims of a stolen election were baseless. Rupert was allowing his Fox hosts to countenance uh, and even endorse the big lie that was being propagated by the Trump campaign, even though he knew Rupert himself, as he emailed, admitting that it was, quote, really crazy stuff. Okay, and this really goes back to a single night, doesn't it, Patty? The night of the 2020 US election. And on that evening, the world was watching to see if Donald Trump would be able to get another term as president or if Joe Biden would be able to win. And thinking back to that moment, it was very uncertain, wasn't it? No one wanted to put much stock into opinion polls and it did feel like the vote could go either way. So What do we know now about the way that that evening was actually unfolding at Fox News? Fox News went into the night knowing the election was going to be decided in some crucial states, in particular uh, swing states or purple states of Pennsylvania, Ohio and Arizona. We also went into that election knowing that the Trump campaign had a plan to declare victory early. And everybody knew that Republican voters were more likely to vote in person and Democratic voters were more likely to vote by mail. And what that meant was that if the Trump campaign could declare victory early, there would be a red mirage in the early stages of the count. And the Trump campaign planned to 
declare victory early and call for the counting to stop. And it is 7 o'clock on the East Coast, which means polls have just closed in half a dozen states. On the night, uh, Fox News, it has a, a thing called the decision desk. The Fox News decision desk can now project that Trump will easily win the state of Alabama. The president will also beat Joe Biden in Oklahoma, according to our decision desk. Fox News decision desk uh, projecting that he, the president, will win Indiana. And it predicted that Arizona was going to be won by Joe Biden. But what is this happening here? Why is Arizona blue? Did we just call it? Did we make a call in Arizona? And it predicted it before the other networks. This is a big development. Yeah. The Fox News decision desk is calling Arizona for Joe Biden. When they flipped the decision desk, flipped Arizona into the Biden column, the Trump campaign went ballistic because it snuffed out their chances of declaring victory early on the night. But amongst the Trump voting Fox audience, calling Arizona was seen as a betrayal and complaints and protests start both on the night and for days and weeks to come. Mm. So to be clear, I mean, it's usually a good thing for a news network to be the first to break something, to tell its audience election results. But in this case, because that call wasn't in Trump's favour, it actually damaged the network in the eyes of their audience. And they were aware of that. Absolutely. For Fox, it was a catastrophe. Suddenly, Trump supporters were abandoning Fox and going straight to Newsmax and OAN, more conservative channels to the right of Fox News. And we have evidence in the filings from Dominion that Rupert Murdoch himself was writing to Suzanne Scott saying we're getting creamed by CNN in the ratings. This was a moment of crisis for Fox News. This is when, according to their own uh, PR spokesperson, Irina Bogranti, in one of these filings, she said they hit the panic button. Right. And when you say panic button, I mean, it was really around this time that Fox started to allow more kinds of fringe ideas on air. So conspiracy theories, really. And that's presumably because they were worried about losing their audience to smaller, newer media organisations like Newsmax. So tell me about the sorts of things that started to air on Fox around this time. Yeah. Increasingly, the Fox News Channel, especially in the primetime opinion slots, gave airtime to people like Rudy Giuliani, President Trump's legal advisor. President Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, who claims that there is strong evidence of election fraud in several states. Mr. Giuliani, thanks for being with us. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. Who held a series of press conferences claiming there was an election fraud without presenting any evidence. Why did it happen 15,000 times that people in Pittsburgh walked in to vote and they had already voted, according to the Democrat election machine, did they forget? When Rupert Murdoch was asked whether he could have told Fox News chief executive and its stars to stop giving airtime to Rudy Giuliani, Murdoch said, I could have, but I didn't. But first, tonight many Americans do not believe that this election was fair. You have Sean Hannity. Every American has a right to feel that way. I feel that way. It's a corrupt and an embarrassing disgrace. Within days of the election, on air saying, quote, it will be impossible to ever know the true, fair, accurate election results. That's, That's a, a fact. fact, unquote. 
Where is the Department of Justice? Where is the AG Bill Barr? And Fox allowed more guests on who spread lies about the election, the most egregious of those being Sidney Powell, another legal advisor to President Trump. Dominion and its minions and other state officials everywhere are apparently out there trying to destroy everything they can get to before we can seize it. And as she was appearing on the network, the hosts who had her on, behind the scenes were texting and emailing each other, showing that they knew they were spreading misleading claims. Tucker Carlson says in one text message to his producer, Sidney Powell is lying, quote unquote. Laura Ingram says in a message to Carlson, Sydney's a complete nut. No one will work with her. Ditto with Rudy. And there were other texts that came out, weren't there, Patty? Texts sent by these Fox hosts that indicated that while privately these hosts, they might not have thought that the stolen election narrative was true and that some of the guests that they had on were crazy or or lying, but they didn't actually want the network to admit that publicly, did they? Well, Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson tried to get Fox News reporter Jackie Heinrich fired for fact-checking a Trump tweet about Dominion voting, which noted that there was no evidence of votes being destroyed. So Tucker texts... Please get her fired. Seriously, what the fuck? It's measurably hurting the company. The stock price is down. Not a joke. So this is Tucker Carlson, who earns millions of dollars, and he wants to get a lowly junior reporter fired for doing her job. Fox knew that what it was doing was wrong, but it was a commercial imperative for them to try and win back the MAGA base, if you like. And when the chips are down, Their desire is to keep that machine making money and it's more important than any other thing. And it's more important even than telling the truth. We'll be back in a moment. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For longtime editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for. Please, <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very if pro-therapy on yeah, this. If, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Patty, a lot has come out about what the hosts at Fox were saying and doing around the time that Trump lost the election. But can we talk a bit more about Rupert Murdoch? Because people for a long time have wondered how much say Rupert Murdoch actually has in terms of the editorial line that his media companies take. And it seems like the answer to that, based on what's come out of these depositions, is that, well, he has quite a lot of say. He seems to be active in terms of the way that he communicates with management at Fox. Well, at a moment of crisis, as someone who follows the Murdochs very closely was saying to me the other day, Rupert gets involved when there's a big picture crisis and when he's involved, he's heavily involved and there's no doubt who's in charge. Here is Rupert, who is about to turn 92 on Saturday, 
uh, still holding his end up in a complex legal argument with lawyers for Dominion, uh, which shows that he is still sharp. And one of the things that strikes me, Ruby, actually reading these filings is that Rupert is much more present, actually, than Lachlan. Uh, Rupert, even though he's a non-executive chair at Fox Corporation, is heavily involved in texting and emailing Suzanne Scott and, of course, chatting to Lachlan and dealing with the board of Fox Corporation. Lachlan seems to be more at a distance. And Rupert, in one point in his testimony, admits, quote, he's a journalist at heart and he loves getting involved in this kind of stuff. So I don't think Lachlan is the kind of editor-in-chief figure that Rupert has always been throughout his career. And I think we see a bit more evidence of that uh, in these depositions. All right. Okay. And so we know that Rupert Murdoch is heavily involved at Fox in the sense that he's emailing, he's texting his senior management. So what does that mean then in terms of the organisation's relationship with Donald Trump? Because it seems like on the one hand, the network is very much aware of his popularity with their audience. But on the other, we have these hosts and even Rupert Murdoch himself now saying that they didn't think the claims that Trump's camp were making were true. Yeah. Trump is outraged at the evidence and accused Rupert Murdoch of throwing his anchors under the bus. There's a lot of anger on the right at the evidence that is emerging because it shows that there was a deep scepticism about Trump inside Fox News. You have to remember back in 2016, Rupert Murdoch uh, was initially very sceptical of Trump's candidacy and was actually urging him not to even run to seek the um, Republican Party nomination at the beginning of the year, but then he starts to realise that Trump has momentum and once he wins the nomination, he throws his support behind him and so does Fox, of course. And this all coincided in 2016 with the dramatic ouster of Roger Ailes, who co-founded Fox News with Rupert. And there's an argument that since Roger Ailes' downfall, it's like the animals have taken over the zoo, that no one has been strong enough at the management level to really rein in the Tucker Carlson's and the Sean Hannity's, that they do what they want. And there's some evidence of that in the depositions as well. Rupert admitting that he wished in hindsight that they'd gone harder against the big lie when it first emerged. Rupert asking Suzanne Scott just on January 5th, the night before the insurrection, just saying, is it possible that we could have a joint statement or, or separate statements from Tucker from Laura, from Sean, making the point that the allegations of a stolen election were baseless. And Suzanne Scott kind of deflects. Uh, She says it would be too risky. Right. So it sounds like Rupert Murdoch was expressing concern here about what hosts on Fox were saying. And we know he's also admitted that what they endorsed was a lie. So when it comes to this lawsuit, Dominion is suing Fox for $1.6 billion dollars What do Rupert Murdoch's admissions mean for that case? What he has admitted here, does that really help Dominion as they're trying to to prove that they were defamed? What it reveals is that if you read the transcripts of Rupert's deposition, he's concerned to make a distinction between the views of some of the primetime anchors, between their views and the views of Fox News. He was saying that some of the anchors might have endorsed the stolen election claims, but Fox News didn't. So I don't agree with those people who are saying that this is tantamount to an omission of guilt. The bar is very high for defamation cases in the United States, and Dominion has to prove at trial that 
Fox News had actual malice towards it. It is not enough for them to have an admission that inaccurate information was put to air because the First Amendment protects media organisations, the First Amendment to the US Constitution, which guarantees a free press. And what Dominion has to show is actual malice towards Dominion. And I'm still not convinced that there is a smoking gun here, uh, which shows that the Murdochs or the leadership at Fox or the primetime anchors had actual malice towards Dominion. The test for malice is reckless disregard for the truth of what they were putting to air. And according to the views of most legal commentators who have looked at this evidence and made comments on it in the last two weeks, these filings do damage Fox's case. But it's not a slam dunk. It's not a foregone conclusion by any means and anything could come out at trial. So is that likely that this case could go to trial? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yes, it is early days still, even though we've had mountains of um, documentary evidence obtained through discovery and we've now got the benefit of these depositions, we still haven't gone to trial. And this is only the first of two cases, bearing in mind that there's another case to come from another voting machine manufacturer, Smartmatic. So there is still a long way to go. But if we really do get to the point, which I never suspected would come, but we really get to the point where both Rupert and Lachlan take the stand in this case, in an open courtroom, that will be the most fascinating story. I mean, Lachlan hasn't appeared in court since the collapse of OneTel two decades ago. I had assumed all along that he would be absolutely loathe to appear again in a courtroom. But the suggestions are that he's quite prepared to testify and I'm sure on the Fox side, uh, they believe that this is an important free speech case. I mean, obviously it could settle tomorrow as well. Maybe that still remains the most likely up outcome, but everything seems to suggest with the evidence that's been given and has now appeared in the media, everything seems to suggest that Dominion wants to stay in court and they're about to get it. Mm. Well, it'll be fascinating to see what comes out if they do. Patty, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Ruby. Winnie Dunn has made a career out of helping others find their literary voice, and now it's her turn in the spotlight. This week on Read This, join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Winnie about her debut... Find it wherever you listen. Also in the news today, the Reserve Bank has lifted rates yet again by 25 basis points. However, the governor of the RBA, Philip Lowe, appeared to slightly soften his language on future rate rises, saying in his monthly statement that further action was likely, but did not refer to multiple rate rises in the coming months as he had back in February. And Australian tech company Atlassian will cut 500 jobs, becoming the latest job cuts announced in the tech layoffs that are sweeping the global industry. Co-chief executives Mike Cannon-Brooks and Scott Farquhar took responsibility for the cuts in a statement, saying, quote, We encourage you to take the time for farewells, including writing goodbye blogs and sharing any handovers. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow. 